Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 83. The crew is all here in attendance. Chaz, as always, accompanied by Richard. Richard, how are you? Hey, guys. What's going on? What's up, Seth? How's it going, buddy? Doing well. How are you guys doing this week? Doing okay. Uh, so this week on the docket, time time flies, doesn't it? We have the entire conspiracy spoiler like within the week that we talked last time we barely had anything to cover now we have the entire spoiler so mostly we're just going to dedicate this in uh the entire show to covering conspiracy uh we also wanted to highlight an article written by you seth so uh we're going to talk about that you can kind of explain uh where you were going with that and we'll discuss it because we had a lot of conversations over the weekend so if you can see it on the website uh it's conspiracy can be our salvation if we let it I think the title is very uh, uh, represents everything that we talked about, and I fully agree with it. Um, and then we're going to wrap it up with some fish mail. So, full spoiler, we'll just get to conspiracy. First, we wanted to highlight some of the cards that we wanted to talk about. Richard, you actually have some cards to talk about for, for Legacy. This is, like, insane. It and turns some... out the set is Eternal Masters 2 with some <laughs> cards. Yeah. And some really great high-profile reprints that we all wanted to discuss as well. So let's just jump right in. Before we get into the specific cards that Richard is excited about for <laughs> legacy purposes, um, overall just thoughts about Conspiracy 2, Richard. So I don't think anyone even knew Conspiracy 2 was coming up. Uh, it's one of these under-the-radar sets that no one really cares about, and Wizards just came out of nowhere and gave us all these expensive reprints, all of these new cards uh, that look legacy playable and vintage playable, and on top of that, this new, you know, this multiplayer draft format. So, just no one expected this, and it's crazy, and I think everyone's pretty hyped for this set. Yeah, I agree with you. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I knew that Conspiracy was coming up, but I was not expecting Wizards to randomly make Conspiracy 2 literally one of the best sets they've printed in years. So right. so it took me by surprise, but the set looks awesome. It looks awesome to draft. It looks awesome for people that wanted reprints to lower prices. It looks awesome for Constructed. Just all around, it looks like a home run from Wizards. Yeah, I think it's an A-plus here. I, I have to pencil this in as one of the best sets in the last few years. I mean, I really loved Shadows over Innistrad block, but this is, like, far and away, like, it has everything. It has, like, smart, like, well-implemented reprints that I didn't even consider. <laughs> you know, like, who thought some of these cards would make it into there? Uh, uh, what looks to be a very interesting draft environment and really sweet new commander and and eternal cards i mean it, it really has it all I, it's better than i could have ever imagined so i'm really excited about it if only it was standard legal then i would be thrilled <laughs> or modern legal. <laughs> standard legal all right yeah. if only if it was at least modern legal right like I know you've said this before. I, I don't know if you... I think you mentioned in the article, maybe not this one, but definitely multiple times before, like, this has to be, like, one of the top sets that you wish was modern legal. Like, this has to be, like, the most, like, egregious one that you... Like, why is this not modern legal? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, when we talk about the reprints, I'm... Right. I, I'm happy those cards aren't in Modern, because Modern <laughs> would be even more busted than it already is. But a lot of the new cards look like they would be really fun in Modern. Yeah. 
So let's just jump right in. Uh, there's a couple that we wanted to talk about. So, Richard, taking it away with Sanctum Prelate and Recruiter of the Guard. All right. So Wizards wants to make white a thing in Legacy, apparently. So we got Sanctum Prelate, one white white, a 2-2 two, two, human cleric. As it enters the battlefield, choose a number. Non-creature spells with converted mana cost equal to the chosen number can't be cast. So Chalice of the Void, four non-creature spells on a warm body in white. Yeah, what do you think, Richard? You're, we want your opinion first, because I think this is insane. Yeah, it's pretty good. The The question is, what does it do to death and taxes? Because sure. you got to remove some cards to put this in, and <laughs> we already have so many good cards now, right? Like People were playing Rinwing Mare, so they were shaving some three drops for that. Then we got Nuthalia, also a three-drop, uh, you know, Caracas shenanigans, and now we have Sanctum Prelate. So the question is, what do you cut, and does this actually make the deck better? My guess is it somehow does, because this is another taxing effect. You know, a Chalice on one. A lot of people just play fast mana to get a Chalice on one. Uh, here's Chalice on one on a body. You can't get swords, can't get lightning bolts and stuff like that. So my guess is this will see play. The question is, how many will you see and what will be cut? Because this kind of does everything against creature decks and combo decks. So I was looking at the Reddit, like the a lot of the legacy Reddit, just trying to tap into a lot of the conversation on this card um, on various forums. It feels like right away that this could conceivably be a one-of in the main and a one-of in the side. Does that feel like the right number here? Probably not. I, I don't know. Okay. I'm not a death and taxes expert, but if you have a one of in the main, how are you ever going to get this card? Because right. you can't tutor it. You can't... Well, you can't tutor it currently. <laughs> uh, but like, what, what are you, you going to... How are you going to get this card out of your library if you just have right. a one of? You don't have Brainstorm. You don't have Ponder, right? So that is my initial guess, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a... Well, that's, you know, that's, what the, that's what the next card is for, right? <laughs> Seth, what do you think? I mean, it's not even non-legendary, which is kind of insane, too. Uh, yeah, I think the big thing that maybe other people, but I overlooked, is even though it's similar to Chalice of the Void, being able to choose a number is a really big deal, I think. Uh, if you're worried about a Supreme Verdict or a Terminus in your deck, you can play this and just name six, when with a chalice you'd have to literally spend like 12 mana to stop yeah. a terminus. It, you, you can't do it. So, just, <laughs> you literally can't do it. So I could imagine this being a good answer to specific things that are pretty annoying for your deck to try to beat if you're playing dex, uh, Death and Taxes that Chalice just wouldn't do. And it's always nice to have a body left over. So I... I mean, I'm not a Death and Taxes expert either, but I'm a big fan of Chalice of the Void type effects, and I could imagine this seeing some legacy play just because it does things that Chalice can't do. Right. So I think that's the big thing, too. And while I'm not a, a, a Death and Taxes expert or even a legacy expert for that matter, I did have to do some spoiler coverage on this, and these were some of the notes that I writ wrote down. And and this is based on what you were just saying. It's, it's like near impossible, if not impossible, to get to some of the numbers that you were talking about, Seth, like, four is almost even too hard for a regular Chalice to be played, right? And while it doesn't lock down everything on, on that number, still, I think being able to name a cost is where this card shines. So these are a couple of notes. Uh, naming four essentially blocks Ant out of game one. 
you can name like six against uh, a deck like Miracles, like you said, without having to use a Chalice. It seems even really good outside of Death and Taxes, so something like Maverick. And it can be played alongside Chalice of the Void or like something like a Gaddock Teague. And, I mean, I think at that point some decks like can't even play Magic. So you can go like turn two Gaddock or turn two... Yeah, turn two Gaddock, like turn three Prelate. Pretty much locks some decks out of the game. And non-legendary. So I don't know, are any of those really relevant, Richard? Yeah, the, the high converted mana cost, like naming it for four, I don't think will be too relevant. Uh, if if you're playing Death and Taxes, at least, if your opponent can right. somehow cast a four mana spell, you probably lost. <laughs> yeah. Because remember, you have ports going, you have Wastelands going, you have Dahlias and stuff, so my guess is most of the time it's like for one, so you don't get swords or bolted. And the interaction with Aether Vial is also really good, kind of similar to... Revoker, you tap the vial, they need to respond immediately. They can't wait to see the Sanctum come in, because as soon as they see the Sanctum, it's too late to cast their spells. So, uh, you play this chicken and egg game where every time they tap the vial, you, you gotta unload your cards, otherwise the Sanctum can come down and, and ruin your day. So, I think that will make it also very powerful. Uh, another important aspect of it is it has the meddling mage, you literally can't cast it. Uh, claws on it, so unlike a chalice, you also don't have to worry about abrupt decay or something like that coming in and ruining your plan, because they just can't cast the spell. Also, in Vintage, seems really good if you're on the play, and play this on turn one on zero to lock Moxin out of the game from your opponent, puts you way ahead on mana. Yeah, I think it's all around great. I mean, it, it, I would be surprised if this card doesn't see some amount of play in certain deck lists. I think people will try it out, like, in Death and Taxes, like you said, Richard. The the deck's, like, pretty tight, and, like, it's it's getting to a point where there's, like, so much you can include. It's like, what do you take out at this point, right? Yeah, Wizards likes printing three drops. Two drops <laughs> they're too scared of. They're like, oh, this might be overpowered, but we've gotten so many powerful three drops over the past couple of years that... Uh, there, there's a lot of contention in these slots, so it's going to depend on what death and player, uh, death and taxes players want to cut from their deck to put this guy in. Right. Uh, so I think that takes us to the recruiter of the guard. So you can use this actually to tutor the sanctum prelate. Yeah. So recruiter of the guard, three to cast, uh, two in a white, so three in total. One one human soldier. One recruiter of the guard enters the battlefield. You may search your library for a creature card with toughness two or less. Reveal it and put it in your hand and shuffle your library. All right, Richard, a sort of like offbeat uh, like attempt to reprint Imperial Cruder. It is white. What, what do you think? I don't know what this card does. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know what it does, but you had Imperial Recruiter already. So, uh, a this is much cheaper than Imperial Recruiter. But I don't know what new strategies it, strategies it enables. I don't think you'd put this in Death and Taxes. It's too slow and dirtily, I think. Unless you build some weird toolbox. But spending an entire turn to tutor Death and Taxes doesn't seem good. And you could have splashed red for Imperial Recruiter already. Uh, something to note, this doesn't get Painter Servant. So you can't somehow right. build like weird Boros uh, Recruiter deck uh, to, to do the Painter Servant Grindstone combo. So I don't know what this does, but this is certainly exciting. Uh, this enables more redundancy in combo decks like Alern. Uh, I don't know how Alern really works. I don't know how many flex slots they have and whether they can cut cards to put this in for more redundancy. Uh, but it, it's just another 
way to tutor for things, and I'm sure there'll be some way to abuse it, but to me it's not obvious yet what what those decks are, because I'm going to assume they're new decks that, that will right. use this. Interesting. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that you printed it, and it's a cool card, but it's really not a replacement for Imperial Recruiter, so if the idea is, oh, we'll just print this and we don't need to ever reprint Imperial Recruiter, that's not really true, because the main decks that use this effect, as Richard mentioned, are decks that want to search up Painter Servant to combo off, and you just, that's the the big mark against this deck, so uh, basically, I'll echo what Richard said, this deck, uh, this card is probably good, it's definitely good enough to see play, because the power level is similar to Imperial Recruiter, but it's something that people are going to have to brew around and figure out, I'm sure there's a broken combo you can tutor up taking advantage of this card, uh, the question is, what what is it, and is it on par with the Imperial Recruiter decks if you want to play a combo like that? Yeah, I, I think Richard said it best. I, I don't know if it fits anything existing. Like you said, it might be probably too slow in Death and Taxes, although including in Death and Taxes could be interesting, and that's certainly a, an avenue people can take. Again, I'm not an expert, but I, I think we need to look at what does this... Wait, does this spawn new archetypes? And I think it's powerful enough that it can it can create new synergies that we haven't seen uh, before, Although there was Painter Servant this or Imperial Recruiter this entire time, like you said, there's not you can't get a Painter Servant, which Imperial Recruiter was kind of good at doing. But with the color change, maybe it opens up some new strategies. I'm just I'm not seeing it right now, but I know it's good enough to be a player in, in an eternal format. So I mean, it does some pretty good things. So just to confirm with you, Richard, you would you play this card as just a value card, or do you have to be getting a combo piece? Like, is there any right. appeal in Legacy to be like, hey, I get a 1-1, one, one and I get to tutor up something else? No. <laughs> yeah. Unless you really needed a tutor, like, what could you do? With, you could get a Stoneforge Mystic, use Stoneforge Mystic to get an artifact. Uh, sort of light and shadow and get back recruiter the guard like like for value I don't know what you would do with this right it's just you might as well put uh, copies five six seven eight of the other card you wanted and with the deep pool and legacy usually there are such cards uh, so you know one one doesn't do much right unless you're trying to combo so like alert or something so I, I don't know what you would do with this uh, currently it's not clear but being able to tutor any creature on a creature has a lot of value for combo brokenness so. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, so I think those are probably the best candidates uh, for Eternal. Maybe the next two as well. So we have Doretti is back in Planeswalker form again. A little different this time. And Leovold, Emissary of Tress. Yeah, let's start with our second Planeswalker. Yeah. So last week we did Kaya. Uh, this week we have Doretti, Ingenious Iconoclast. Uh, one black and a red Planeswalker. Starting loyalty is 3. Plus 1, put a 1-1 colorless construct artifact creature token with defender on the battlefield. Minus 1, you may sacrifice an artifact. If you do, destroy target artifact or creature. Minus 6, choose target artifact card in a graveyard or artifact on the battlefield. Put 3 tokens that are copies of it onto the battlefield. So to use Dak Faden as a kind of a comparison here, another three mana walker that was was created in the first, that was like printed in the first Conspiracy one, 
is this Eternal playable at all? Is this even the same caliber? This has to be, right? I, I know nothing about Vintage. But you play this, sacrifice your mocks, kill your opponent's mocks, and then you have a Planeswalker. And the, the key here is you can use his minus three times in a row. And in addition, you can just remove problematic creatures like Tygon Predator or whatever. Uh, you can you know sacrifice your random artifacts you have sitting around. Uh, you can kill all kinds of problematic artifacts in, leg- uh, in Vintage. So I think this is good, right? This has to be good. But again, I know nothing about the decks, and I, know, I don't know what you would cut. But right. destroy three artifacts on a card seems good. Seth? Yeah, I think this is definitely more a vintage card than a legacy card, just because of how the formats work and because of the Moxon and so forth. Personally, I think it's significantly worse than Dak Faden. I, I think it could still have a place in the format, but Dak Faden is pretty nice because it gives you that card filtering ability and that's just not something you get with Duretti. So it is very good at what it does as far as you have artifacts to sack and the removal is uh, pretty lacking in conditions barring like Blightsteel Colossus. Uh, you can get rid of just about anything in the format up to Emrakul even. So there's a lot of things that this can kill, but my initial reaction would be that it's somewhat worse than Dak Faden as far as conspiracy planeswalkers go. Yeah, I'm kind of on that opinion as well. I don't... I know Vintage comes up. I know, like, Tesserator, the, the deck comes up. Like, I don't even know... Like, wouldn't this even just straight up be competing with Dak Faden? Like, do you play some number of both? Is Dak Faden just straight up better in this regard? It kind of feels like Dak Faden, like, how would this lose any slots to this card? I mean, I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch of the means. I, I think it does good stuff. Like, each one of Duretti's abilities is good. And like Richard said, I mean, destroying three artifacts when you can produce artifacts or just using your own artifacts to destroy their moxes or what have you seems good especially you can use it three times i just i don't know if it's going to wrestle any kind of slots away from dak fading currently yeah if you're trying to play the the artifact battle then dak is just straight up better but dak doesn't kill like a mentor or something right there there are actual creatures in vintage so Duretti does kill it uh, dak has the advantage of pitching to force of will which is a big deal Duretti does not pitch to force of will uh, and Duretti is in weird colors, so uh, you know, basically not blue. So, <laughs> right. Dr- you know, Dak has that going for him. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think Dak is still better overall, but you know, you can kill creatures now. Uh, one of the things in Vintage I think is surprising people with creatures. People don't play that much removal, so having removal sitting around, in addition to artifact removal, uh, might be enough to get Duretti some play. Right. And Chops is still one of the big decks in the format, and it seems pretty awesome against those decks that are trying to essentially lock you with artifacts, uh, Thorn of Amthes and things like that. So if you can just kill three artifacts in a row against Shops, that's a pretty big swing. So maybe there's some sideboard argument for it, even if it doesn't show up in the main decks, just because it seems pretty good in that matchup in specific. All right, our last card we want to talk about, Leovold, Emissary of Tress. Black, green, and a blue. So three converted mana costs in Saltai. Three, three, legendary creature, elf advisor. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. 
Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. I mean, I love this card. I think it's going to be my new commander. I'm going all in. I want foils. Give me everything Leovold because this card is amazing. I, I, I think it's insane. Any kind of eternal implications here, Richard? Maybe bug some sort of list it can it can slot into. It's it has I mean it's its abilities are pretty good. Yeah, it does a lot of good things. The question is, does it have a home? So the good news is if they try to remove him, it's a one for one because you get to draw a card. You can't get hymned or thought seized, even a Liliana minus two, you draw a card. Almost no matter what happens, you're drawing a card. In addition, it turns off brainstorm, it turns off uh, any filtering effects, any cantrip, stuff like that. So it, it has game against all kinds of decks. Uh, the question is, does any deck want a 3-mana a 3-3? Three three? Uh, so that is the question. Shardless Bug might be a place. Uh, just normal Bug, Bug Delver, uh, things like that. And you know, the question be- once again becomes, what do you cut? Do you want to cut some Shardless Agents? Do you need this card? Is Shardless Agent into Visions just good enough? Like, this is just a Durly card? You know, is Tarmogoyf better than this thing? What 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 would you cut to put this in your deck? And that that is a question for bug deck owners. Uh, but the card does look powerful on its face, and it does a lot of things. And in a long mid rangey match, like this this deck is really uh, this card is really good. Right. So, which one of you are playing this on Commander Clash? Oh. <laughs> well. Uh... Well, oh. we have to uh, gotta wait for Worth to put it on Moto first. <laughs> yeah, so in two oh. months we'll figure it out. <laughs> isn't it, uh, Seth? What do you think of Leovold? Isn't it a little weird that Leovold is bug colors and the other can't draw extra cards thing is Spirit of the Labyrinth, which is white? Is it just like that effect is across the color pie? No matter what color you are, you get to do that. Notion I guess thief. so. Notion yeah. Thief is Demir. Notion Thief, right, yeah. That's true. I don't know. I worry that the mana cost in body just aren't that appealing. Uh, when you're... <sighs> Maybe it'll make it. I imagine if it sees play in Legacy, it would be like a one-of type thing for value. I can't imagine it being much more than that. And when you're competing against something like Shardless Agent... It just might be that it's not quite good enough to take over in the three-drop slot. So I think it's powerful and does a lot of good things. Whether the three mana for a three-three is good enough to really make people play it, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. So yeah, Salta I... is interesting. Uh, sorry, Chaz. One one thing. So Salta is interesting. Uh-huh. Pitches the force of will. <laughs> yep. This is a very good argument where your cards are suspiciously <laughs> conditional. Uh, second, Green Sun Zenith hits it. Yep. So you can tutor for this. That allows you to play it as a one of and gives us more utility. You know, being a three man, a three three kind of is made up for those other two, but like Seth said, maybe three man, a three three is not where you want to be in Legacy. I like that the bare minimum of this card is it at least cycles itself. And, and like you said, Richard, I mean, that's like just kind of the bare minimum. If anything would, if it's removed in any kind of fashion, if anything is done to you or any other permanent, it basically helps negate that effect. And if it dies, obviously it, it, it draws a, a card for you. So I just, I like the bare minimum and it, it just has upside. Like you said, it turns off brainstorm, their brainstorms, it turns off all their stuff. So it's, it's not symmetrical. It's just asymmetrical. So, or yeah. 
the problem is like I drop a Tarmogoyf, you drop a Leovold, and I proceed right. to hit you four times in a row without <laughs> yeah. casting any further spells. Right? That's that's the problem with right. Uh, you know, just one for oneing may not be enough. Or you play Leovold, and I already spent turn one and turn two preordaining and brainstorming, and then I cast Show and Tell. Right. And then like, oh, okay. Uh, so that's the problem. Whereas shardless, you can shardless, and yeah, it's a two-two. But then you just uh, do, you know, hit ancestral visions, and then now you have a force of will and a daze in hand or something, right? So uh, that would be the thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the card. I do like it in the bug colors too, because you can conceivably get this out turn two off of like a death right shaman. So that's not terrible. I th- I think the vote against it is it doesn't actually do anything when you play it. Like, Shardless gives you right. that value right away. This has potential to generate a lot of value over the course of a long game, but as Richard was just saying, uh, there's going to be games where it it's just a 3-3 three, three for 3 when your opponent's emercoling you to death. Yeah. Outside of Eternal, what do you think of this card? Is, there, is this like an over-under? Like, is this banned as a general? I mean, you, you guys play... A lot of commander now. I I play specific commander like more of like a. I, I kind of have now gotten into like the more one versus one commander, the dual commander. Do you see this lasting more than a year in the commander, like in a commander format, as a general? I don't think it looks that oppressive as a multiplayer general. I think okay. Edric is way more scary than this to me, and way worse, and that's been legal. So uh, so for me, maybe in dual commander it would be different, but in multiplayer it doesn't really scare me that much to where I think it would get banned. Right. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Seth. I think Edric is much, much more fierce, you know, a fearsome card. And in dual commander... Uh, if it was that good, then it would be equally as good in Legacy. You know, if playing this against your opponent automatically just wins you the game, then we would see it in Legacy as well. So, uh, and I don't think that would be the case. So, I don't think it'll be that overpowered in Dual Commander. But I don't know. We will have to see what happens. Fair enough. All right. So, moving on to reprints. Uh, so, we talked about the cards that we wanted to highlight. Here's a slew of reprints in Command in Conspiracy 2 that you wouldn't have believed us if we told you these cards would be in the set a couple months ago. I certainly would have never guessed. Berserk, Show and Tell, Inquisition of Kozilek, which we I think we talked about, Serum Visions, Birds of Paradise, Burgeoning, Beast Within, Ghostly Prison, Burning Wish, and Phyrexian Arena. So just overall thoughts on, on those. Uh, we're Eternal Masters 2 now. <laughs> and at, you know, the, the $4 a pack price instead of the inflated Masters set price. When I saw Show and Tell, my mind was blown. Right? It's like, <laughs> you did not expect it, right? Berserk? You're like, right. what? You know, I, I kind of, you know, something like Inquisition, like, oh, okay, you know, I expect that. But for them to just throw Berserk in uh, after everyone complained about it, you know, missing. Uh, being missing from the last Eternal Masters uh, was pretty cool. And Show and Tell is actually a very sweet multiplayer card. I remember playing this uh, back when I first started playing Magic. You know, when you play with a group of other people, with six other people, it is not an overpowered card. In fact, you are severely disadvantaged with playing Show and Tell <laughs> because there are six attackers <laughs> coming into the battlefield that get to attack before you. So it's actually a very sweet multiplayer card, so I'm glad they included it. And yeah, it's just straight out of left field, man. All, all of these cards 
way more hype for this set than actual Eternal Masters. So, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's like a growing narrative. Sorry, and and you know, after we you have your take, Seth, I think this is a great segue into your article, which we will get to in a second. So, takes on these reprints. Oh, the reprints are are awesome and very very surprising. So I and maybe I'm going to naturally segue into the article, but I was expecting to have original conspiracy reprints where the yeah. the best one was probably Stifle, which was a legit legacy card. It's kind of fallen by the wayside since it was reprinted, but after that it was like exploration and just like fringe stuff, some okay commander stuff. So that's what I was expecting. I was not expecting Show and Tell and Berserk, which are legit legacy staples, and a bunch of powerful modern cards. So I am super excited about this, not just for what it does for this set, but for what it hopefully means for the future. Yeah, we've talked a lot about this in the past, just to piggyback on what you're saying. We talked about this in the past. We always kind of felt that this... Cons- like conspiracy was a great set for stuff like this. I just never would have imagined, like like Richard said, when I saw like show and tell and berserk, I was like, my mind was, I was like, what? I guess that's where they went when people were like, oh, where are these cards? They're not Eternal Masters. Jokes on you, they're in conspiracy. Like I, I had, I really had no idea. It was better than I could have ever imagined. Uh, conspiracy. One was kind of paving the way, and I think they took that and ran with it with Conspiracy Two as a great product to, in, you know, to include these. We talked about this before, like just smart reprints. You had a couple of very viable modern cards and cards that don't really break the bank in terms of like EV and very, very good legacy staples that people people need and people want to see. They weren't in Eternal Masters. I think that was even like kind of more egregious before that. They're like, well. How do you have Eternal Masters without, like, premier staples like Berserk and Show and & Tell? You have, like, Sphinx of the Steel Wind and, like, packs are $10. I think people are very excited for this set. It's like, listen, we get some really good modern, smart modern reprints, Inquisition, Serum Visions, Beast Within, Ghostly Prison, some very smart includes in Eternal, Eternal cards. Like you said, uh, Richard, like, Show & Tell can even be a really fun multiplayer card, so it plays off that. It's just a really good eternal staple to print. We have a and, and now you have all this hype for it's a regular set. There's gonna be a lot of supply of this set. Normal MSRP, you know, packs, like we're not paying ten dollars a pack. I mean, it's just all around amazing. And even beyond the big chase cards, there's a lot of depth there too. Like Hollowed Burial, Followed Footsteps, right. Kami of Crescent Moon, Desertion. Those are all rares that are a few bucks and not just like absolutely bulk. No one cares about them, which is what we've seen in some reprint sets where after you get past the Tarmogoyfs and Vendillion Clicks, you get all these like absolute unplayable, no-valued, complete bulk rares. So not only do we get chase cards, but there's a lot of depth throughout the set as well, which is really exciting. So even, I mean, yes, you want to open some of the expensive new cards or a Berserk or a show-and-tell, but you're not going to be too disappointed if you get a 2 or $3 Desertion or a Kami of Crescent Moon out of a pack that's costing you $3 or whatever it is if you buy a box. Exactly. Right, and, and, and like I said, we go back to smart reprinting. I mean, this is a great supplemental product. I mean, a great set. It's not really a supplemental product, but a great offbeat set throughout the year that you can include stuff like this. It's 
it's heavily supplied, so you don't have to worry about really breaking the EV because there's not that supply constraint. And I think this segues really into your article, and you kind of bring up a lot more points that we were discussing over the weekend. So just kind of talk about your your article here. Again, it's conspiracy can be our salvation if we let it, and I fully agree. I mean, this is the kind of set that we want going forward. And honestly, I mean, all things considered, I think this is a set that could supplant master sets. I mean... Maybe we want to keep those around for the for the limited setting and stuff like that. But Richard kind of said it best. I mean, people are more are, are starting to be more excited about this set than you know Eternal Masters, Modern Masters, where it's like, okay, like Tarmogoyf goes down by a few bucks, like it's ten dollars to draft. I draft it maybe one or two times, and like that's it. You know, like this is, you know, it kind of sucks. So kind of you know, let's let's jump into your article because I think it's a really great talking point for a bunch of different discussions. All right, well, basically, uh, there's a few different points, but basically, for the last few years, at least the last two years in earnest, there's been a huge outcry for reprints to lower the prices of the cards. And Wizards has done some reprinting. They've given us the Masters series, but that hasn't really satisfied people's desire for reprints because the supply is so low, the packs cost so much, and it does help with prices a bit, but not enough over the long term to really make people happy. Wizards also tried standard reprints, but then they ended up with tons of headaches and complaints because Thoughtseize is so miserable to play against, and Fetchlands made standard cost a million dollars. So... One thing that we haven't seen, we've seen low supply sets that are really awesome, like the first Modern Masters, even arguably Eternal Masters, and we've seen high supply sets that don't really have the reprints we need, what we needed to really solve some of the high-priced card issues that we have in Modern and Legacy is a set that has standard legal supply, like unlimited supply where you can buy it for months at MSRP or years at MSRP, but also with good cards, and we've never seen a set like that until now, can, this new conspiracy is exactly the set that people have been asking for and yelling for for years now, and we finally got it. So part of the article is excitement over that because I didn't know that Wizards had it in them to do that because they've never right. shown that they would print a set that was packed full of important reprints and in high supply. It's just never happened before. And also... A kind of a warning to the community that uh, we should be thankful and let Wizards know we're happy about this because Wizards does listen to us and over the past week there was a lot of complaining, some of it by myself about Inquisition being rare and so forth, but, right. but random complaining and we don't want to discourage this. This is what we want every year or every other year, a set like this. So if we spend too much time complaining about how Conspiracy 2 is more Eternal Masters than Eternal Masters, or Inquisition doesn't fit the flavor or isn't good for Limited, we're going to end up potentially ruining a really good thing, the exact thing we've been asking for for the past few years uh, by our complaining. Yeah, and I mean, this is, you know, we always talk about, like, constructed criticism. We like to be critical on this cast. We talked about coverage. We talked about a lot of different things. This is the one thing that we don't want to criticize. I mean, you make a lot of great points. Like, it it was conspiracy. It's like they took conspiracy one and just ran with it, like you said. Like, we haven't seen a set. They kind of started doing that with conspiracy 
where they added these like legacy staples. Not many, I think maybe like what zero modern staples at that point, right? Like even like on the uncommon level, right? There wasn't like an Inquisition or a Seren Visions or anything like that. And they just they built upon Conspiracy One. I'm sure there was a lot of great feedback. It has a little bit of everything. It has people for cute things for Cube, things for people that like Commander, things for people that like legacy at that point so now it's even added that for people that you know are into modern you have something in there for you too you're right we haven't seen anything like this it's doing a better job of like what these master sets were supposed to be doing hey here's a little bit of you know something for you q people here's a little bit of something for you legacy people here's something for like you commander people you know but the the caveat is is like limited supply ten dollar packs so it's like you know what do you do with that this conspiracy on the other hand it's like like you said Unlimited supply. I mean, this is what people get hyped over. You know, people don't get hyped over an Eternal Master set. Yeah, okay, it's a really great limited, you know, experience. Even if it's like the best limited experience you could ever have, at the end of the day, people want to spend less on these staples. People want to see these kind of, uh, you know, an amalgam of all these cards in one set. And it's like, wow, like, now I don't have to spend like $35 or like 50 bucks on every single like berserk or like, wow, this is a really cool draft environment. Even if it's not as good as the Eternal Masters, still pretty good, right? Like, does the, does the quality of the draft go down considerably enough to say, well, we still, we still need the master sets because, you know, we still want like $10 packs and like some of these cards to go down a little bit over the course of how many now? You know, two etern- you know, two modern master sets, and now an eternal masters, and some of the cards have, yeah, they've gone down a little bit, but not considerably. Where you're lowering the barrier of entry. I mean, that's what really gets people excited. You know, I have a few friends. You know, I- I'm sure you know you guys too. I- you know, people that are trying to get into the game, trying to get into modern or all these different formats, and they're like, wow, you know, I really don't want to spend like four hundred dollars on Tarmogoyfs, and like I'm just getting started. You know, like. This is what we've been talking about. This is what a lot of the conversations are on Twitter. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just like, I don't know why people are not excited about this set. Like you said, Seth, this is this is what we want Wizards to be doing. This is what we want to be excited about. Sorry, go ahead, Richard. Uh, I have nothing to add. <laughs> I agree <laughs> with Seth. If you enjoy the set, if this is what you, you want, then go out and play Conspiracy 2. Buy Conspiracy 2. Let Wizards know. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positives and provide good feedback uh, for yeah. Wizards. And we'll see more of these sets in the future. Uh, the one thing I did want to point out was I think the part, part of the problem with reprint sets is there's nothing to get excited about. Uh, you're getting excited about getting more quote-unquote value. Right. right. You're getting cheaper cards. Exactly. Uh, what Conspiracy 2 does very well is uh, we're excited for the reprints, which alone would have made this product exciting. But we have all these new cards, right? We have two brand new Planeswalkers. Uh, we have all of those Eternal cards we just talked about. And we have the multiplayer format, the new mechanics, the new Conspiracy cards, the new Draft Matters cards. So there's just so much in the set for everyone to enjoy. Uh, and I think all of that together makes this set, like Seth said, probably one of the best sets uh, ever, or at least in recent history. So all of those things combined, basically, no matter what kind of Magic player you are, there is something to enjoy in this set. Right. So I know my answer. Let me just flat out ask you guys. Uh, so, big decision time. Would you rather see a set like Conspiracy 
replace current modern mass like current master sets like just flat out replace them if every year so let's just say every year now since you know in in the release of we'll probably we would get like a conspiracy then an, a modern masters next year and then eternal masters maybe the year after that or something like that do you think a, a set like conspiracy should just flat out replace those sets from my perspective and from a player's perspective, the easy answer is yes. I think that these sets, for a bunch of reasons, are better for players. They actually will impact the prices of cards more. The MSRP is lower. Uh, all those things. The supply is higher. So if you actually want to buy this product and open a box, you'll be able to without uh, stressing out about your local gaming store being out of supply or paying $400 for a box. On the other hand, I don't think that's something that will happen because Eternal Masters, Modern Masters are just so low effort for Wizards. They're 100% reprints. They, for minimal effort, they can throw together those sets and make money. It seems like Conspiracy actually takes some work to make all these cool new cards, these draft-specific right. archetypes and mechanics. So I don't think it will happen, but I would be fine with it happening and like that to happen as a player. Right. Let's let's just discount. Yeah, it it probably won't happen. But do you think, like, as a player, as you know, someone that has followed the game for the general community, should a set like Conspiracy replace Master sets? Let's just discount the fact that it probably won't happen. I I would rather see if I had to choose between the two, I would pick Conspiracy. Also, if that doesn't happen, I would like to see conspiracy more often even if it has to be alongside master sets so we're having these type of sets on a ideally yearly basis where we can really right. attack the reprint problem or at least every other year if yearly isn't possible so we need more of these sets if it replaces modern masters that's awesome if it's alongside modern masters that's still awesome we just need to do this more often because this is what we need yeah richard like kind of what I just said earlier, I think the, the key yeah. points here is unlimited print run, normal price, and new cards. My biggest problem with Eternal Masters and Modern Masters is there was no real hype. It's just all of these cards existed, there were a couple of new art, and you're just getting stuff cheaper. And if we wanted to save money, we just wouldn't play Magic, period. <laughs> right? So <laughs> right. part of playing Magic is getting <laughs> new cards, getting new abilities, uh, getting powerful cards and things like that. And Conspiracy 2 allowed Wizards to put that in with the reprints. So as long as that's obeyed, I think that's good. So we get a new Modern Masters with new cards in it, cards designed specifically for Modern and Legacy that aren't standard legal, uh, in addition with the reprints, and just lower the price and increase supply. And you know to compensate, you could do something special. You know, Don't put Tarmogoyf in there. Get Tarmogoyf reprinted in something else like From the Vault or Judge Promos or whatever. Uh, but just just have a set that appeals to everyone and not just the hardcore people trying to you know finish their $1,000 play set of Force of Wills or something like that, but for everyone, right, that can go sit down, draft, uh, look at new, some cards, get some new Planeswalkers, and you know if you didn't get the new Planeswalkers, your Constellation prize was here's an expensive Legacy reprint. So I think getting that experience uh, is going to be important, and we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how people... How many people actually play Conspiracy? I don't know many people that play the original Conspiracy, uh, but now I might just go play just for the chance of cracking a random Berserk or something. 
right? It just makes everything so much more exciting. And you know, just trying to get a new planeswalker or something like that. So right. the the key is how many people will play Conspiracy Two and how many boxes will sell. And uh, if you like the idea of the set, then you should go do that because those are the metrics that Wizards will be looking at. I would even go so far to say I think this this would be a good set to put a card like Tarmogoyf in. I mean, really, like, why not, right? I mean, wouldn't this... I mean, even if you just look at it as, like, an EV thing, I mean, they they pretty much push, like, $50, $60 cards in there. I mean, Show & Tell was what before this? Like, 60 bucks? Uh, Yeah, something like that. For not that much more, I mean, you have a Tarmogoyf, and... I don't understand what the apprehension here is. Like, if I'm a store or if I'm just, like, looking to sell product, I mean, I'd be thrilled that, like, a card like Tarmogoyf would be replaced. I, I could sell 10 Tarmogoyfs at $20 or $30, you know, 25 bucks before I sell one at 100 bucks, you know, $120. I, I, think it I think you can do some really great things with Conspiracy. And I know people are going to come in with the whole... They always do with the whole oh isn't this this isn't this just like homelands all over again and like chronicles and like we just saturate the market, not really because the player base is like what ten times the size it was like back when this game was you know had that crisis. I mean, that's what people really want to they want to play the game, you know they want to actually play Magic. Like I think we spend so many times. I mean, Seth, you you write budget articles like every single week. I mean, it's just like that in itself, you know, quantifies a problem. Like that, the the game is expensive. Like people want to pay less and play the game more. I mean, I, I just I would love for for cards like Tarmogoyf to be considered in a set like this. I mean, Wizards has shown that they respect the secondary market. That they don't want they Tarmogoyf do. to be a five dollar card. Because really, you know, it's it's actually not that good in limited. You could put it at rare, right? Sure. But they decided to put it at mythic to keep the price of it. For that reason, I don't think they're just gonna you know mass produce Tarmogoyf. Uh, I think a lot more people will be upset that Tarmogoyf, uh, you know, became a five dollar card than if Show and Tell uh, became a low value card or Berserk. That's my guess. It could also be that Wizards is towing this out and seeing what the reaction is. Are people gonna be you know, berserk about their berserk prices going down. You know, <laughs> right. like, is this going to happen or is everyone going to be positive? And, you know, so far it looks positive. I don't know, you know, maybe that one guy that just finished Legacy Infect is like, no. <laughs> this uh, all this sucks, right. Well, but, I think that's... But my guess is they don't want Charm to be a $5 card. That they want it to maintain, uh, you know, its high price and its prestige, I guess. Right, and I, I think it would retain a good a good amount of its value. But, I mean, at the end of the day... I mean, I've even talked to a lot of legacy players that are like, yeah, I own, like, all these legacy decks. I invested in all these cards. I'm totally fine with reprints. Like, I, I want more people to play the game with. You know, isn't that, like, the, the bigger issue here is, like, yeah, it would suck, but I think that's a smaller percentage of, wow, I just lost, like, you know, 30 bucks on my, tar you know, each on my set of Tarmogoyfs. But, you know what? I can play more modern at, you know, FNM now. I agree with you. I, I, so, for the record, I agree with you that Tarmogoyf yeah, yeah. would be much better at 10 bucks. but Legacy players are, like, special. They're, like, so desperate for other Legacy players. <laughs> They're willing to, like, take the uh, fair, fair enough. But fair modern enough. players who just, you know, the, the guy that just spent $500 on Tarmogoyf, how pleased will he be when his Tarmogoyfs right. are worth 50 bucks the next day? Right? Like, right. you know, the birthing pod players are like, no, my deck, right? But that's 
basically four Tarmogoyfs for everyone else. While I'm fine with it, I know a lot of people will not be fine with it. And then sure. you have this balancing act of who do you want to please, the the Goyf havers or the Goyf have nodders, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I Wizards think... is trying to figure that out, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I think one group is bigger than the other, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, Seth, I know you wanted to chime in. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I'm all for getting as many good reprints as possible. I'm also realistic, and I don't think Wizards wants sure. the game to be necessarily cheap. There is benefit for them to having a Tarmogoyf be a hundred and whatever dollars so they can dole it out a little at a time in master sets over the course of years and keep selling those products. So there's a lot of competing interests that are going on. Uh, But at this point, I'm mostly just excited because, like we said before, this is just a set that we haven't seen before, and the, if this is the new way forward, it's pretty pretty good for the players and pretty exciting. The only other thing I would want to add, because some people, a, a lot of people I think liked the article and agreed with it, some people took it as me saying, oh, we shouldn't complain about things when things are going wrong and uh, we don't agree with decisions Wizards makes, and that wasn't my intention at all. I still plan on talking about those things, but for me, with this set in specific, the greater good is to encourage these type of sets, even if it means sucking it up a little bit and not complaining about some of these little things that don't matter so much. So, for me, it's a, a greater good scenario where we're better off in the long run supporting this, even if we don't necessarily necessarily agree with every single rarity and every single uh, decision in the set, because overall, it's a really good thing for the game. Yeah, and, and I think people have to realize, like, uh, this is the outcome of a lot of constructed criticism, right? Like, this is why people voice their concerns and, and, and voice criticisms. This is the end result of that, right? Like, if Wizards really didn't care, then we wouldn't have a great set like this, you know? Like, it's because we voice our opinions, we have good constructive criticism, not just to complain, just to complain. Like, if you're just complaining to, you know, about things that don't really matter, then that's just one thing. But if you have good constructive criticism, I mean, this is the end goal of that. Like, this is why we get Conspiracy 2, is because so many people voice their concerns. So, I, you know, I don't like the, the fact that, you know, people, oh, you know, people complain, this, that, and the other thing, when those concerns are absolutely valid because it's it's quantified by the release of Conspiracy, this this set. Like, this is the end goal of, like, Wizards realizing that people want a set like this, right? Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, of course, like, one last thing on the article. Basically... It works out awesomely for Wizards because they are going to be able to sell, uh, most likely, a lot of product. And they're going to be able to sell a lot of these weird draft-only cards, which a lot of people probably wouldn't uh, buy a box of anyway. Like, if you're not drafting Conspiracy, that was one of the problems with the first Conspiracy. If you're not drafting it, it's not a great product just to, like, crack open. But by putting in these expensive cards, not only do they help relieve uh, the secondary market, market concerns that the community has been so vocal about, but it also is going to help them sell boxes to people that might not actually do a conspiracy draft, but just want 
the chance to open a sweet foil show and tell or you know some of the other expensive cards in the set so it's really just a win-win wizards gets what they want in the ability to sell this product and we get what we've been asking for for years so this should be a time of celebration for everyone because all of the concerns and the requests have finally paid off so even though it's not perfect it's a huge step forward and i think uh, we should just be happy with it enjoy this set and support wizards so hopefully they do more of these sets yeah absolutely I, i'm full i fully agree with you and i am very happy so you're gonna have to swallow your your purest <laughs> old-timer theros <laughs> i ideology of rare inquisition of coastal i still think i'm correct but i <laughs> i am willing to not complain like crazy about it because <laughs> I think overall, it's still a net positive for the community to have sets like this, even with little things like that. And in all honesty, uh, the difference in this set with so much value in it and so much supply between rare and uncommon Inquisition is not really meaningful. It's going to be yeah, much exactly. cheaper no matter what. Yeah, and that's kind of like, we, we talked about this on Twitter. I mean, in a, in a set like Modern Masters or Eternal Masters, this would have probably been way more egregious, right? In a conspiracy, it's like, well, I mean, the, the simple fact that it's in the set, like, is a win, right? Whether it's rare or uncommon, I mean, there's still going to be a ton of it. So, all right, I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, let's let's answer some fish mail. All right, we have a, a couple fish mail this week. Some of it conspiracy two related. Okay. So first up, at toolbar, seeing recruiter of the guard spoiled, will Alluring combo show up more often in Legacy? That's all you, Richard. I have no idea. <laughs> I've played against Alert like five times in my life. I have no idea what the weaknesses of that deck are or what it's missing to be tier one. But my guess is another tutor was is not what it needed. So that's my guess, but I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to need an Alert expert to, to coach me on this one. I actually looked up the the deck list on goldfish uh, in response to the spoiler and it wasn't even playing imperial recruiter so and it's like a four color deck and you get to cast your stuff for free so i don't think it's really a color issue so i i'm not sure if it really matters it could be that the deck wasn't playing it as a budget consideration because whoever was playing it didn't want to put out the money uh, <laughs> but i did notice that not all allure index play imperial recruiter so that might be a vote against recruiter of the guard all right, next question from Hash Brown Monster. What's the deal with Eldritch Evolution? The card screams busted, but I haven't seen any love for it. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I thought it would have an immediate impact on modern. I, I think one person has taken up the banner for Eldritch Evolution, and that is Jeff Hooglin, to some ex to some extent. I, I think there is success with Ev Eldritch Evolution. I just don't know if it's, you know, broken out yet. It it's getting there in modern, I think, little by little, and I still have high hopes that it's going to be a modern staple. Um, as far as standard, Spellqueller got spoiled, and Spellqueller yeah. is like the ultimate blowout if you Eldritch Evolution something, so I think that's why we don't see it as often in standard. Yeah, we, yeah. we didn't get to see the dream of Tastiger into Gristlebrand. and I suspect Remand has something to do with this. <laughs> like, Remand just blows this card... Uh, out of the waters, so uh, it's also been kind of early, I, I, although we, we haven't had too many major modern events, so maybe it will sure. break out eventually, but 
yeah, apparently it's not as good as everyone thought it was going to be. To be fair, if you look at even like collected company or something, I was just about to say that, it yeah. takes a little while a lot of times for people in older formats especially to really figure out how to use a new card. And collected company is obviously one of the better cards in modern, but it didn't just immediately in the first month after it was released become a modern sable. It was a long, slow process, and I think that might be what we're starting to see with Jeff being such a big supporter of the deck and having success with it in modern yeah what's Absolutely. he playing in modern it, it's basically like the kiki cord list just like with with like a toolbox with eldritch evolution oh, oh i think he's fun. kind of modified <laughs> his list around uh, eldritch evolution i wanted to drag tuscanu <laughs> into something well <laughs> he actually is that's one of the cool things about it yeah. is you have the combo but you're also playing like Thrag Tusk that you can Eldritch Evolution into Elish Norn and Wrath your opponent's board. So it is a lot different than what you would think of as a typical Kiki Cord list because of Eldritch Evolution. Oh, yep. Gotcha. All right, sounds good. Uh, next question from Josh Sisk. Getting back into Moto after a long absence, what is the best slash easy way, easiest way to figure out the value of my cards? Uh, well, the way I do it, so... <laughs> in the old days, before I started using MTG Goldfish, I had a spreadsheet that I would keep track of manually, and that was a nightmare, and I spent so much time doing that. Then I got premium MTG Goldfish, and this isn't just an advertisement, but literally you can just download your entire collection, and the prices all update by the hour, and you can see exactly what's going up and going down, so that's what I use now, and I think it might be the best tool for tracking your Moto collection. Alright, so I uh, we didn't place that product uh, ad there, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Remember that one week where we just got set up? <laughs> this, is like, this is like ad time now. Uh, at K Freeman, legacy player here, when is the best time to nab a playset of the show and tell reprints? I think it's a, a wait and see. I think they're still overpriced even now, considering the supply hasn't even hit the market yet. I, I think this has more room to fall. Like I know show and tell is kind of a really big staple in in, in legacy, but I, I do think it warrants saying here like it's not a four of modern staple. Like how many people are running out to get their show and tells now to play legacy? So I, I think it has more room to uh, to decrease. Like, like you said, Seth, I mean, we brought up Inquisition of Koza, like, I mean, you can't really compare a four of Legacy staple to a four of, like, modern staple these days. I mean, there's just, the the player base of the two formats is just so disproportionate these days. But I, I do think it can settle in the, you know, the 15 to $20 range, but, I mean, again, that's still a, a big incre decrease to, from where it is right now, pre-ordering. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is the EV of the set is, last time I looked, is still pretty off the charts high, which means a lot of cards have a long way to fall. So I would expect it, like you said, to be around half of what it is now. I think right now it's around 30-ish, yeah. and I would expect 15 to be pretty reasonable. And you're probably going to have to wait at least a month and maybe a little longer than that before you really see that decrease. Yep. Yeah, and like Chaz said, uh, I, you know, there's not this big group of people just waiting for the show-and-tell reprint to happen to go play the deck. Like, the deck costs $3,000. You know, $100 <laughs> of show-and-tell savings is not really going to be the difference. Uh, it might get people that are already into Legacy. You know, they might have, uh, you know, Eldrazi or something, or they might have 
miracles or something and they want to you know put together a sneak and show so those players might just grab a play set but i don't expect all these new players you know just sitting there waiting uh to jump into legacy with uh, the new show and tell reprint although uh, as an aside my friend who plays modern infect is now going to play legacy infect because berserk <laughs> was hey. reprinted so huh there you go <laughs> right those are one of the expensive cards uh in addition to you know the existing staples like force of wills and, and demons right. and stuff like that uh, next question, uh, similar question. Tom S- Simons, what do we do with Show and Tell now? Paper and Moto. I think we just covered that. Yeah, um, I mean, if you had them, I think the time to sell was yesterday. Like, almost pretty much literally. Like when when it was revealed, that's kind of like the it's it's not a very long window uh, to be able to you know drop your copies. So I mean, at this point, if you have them, if you're using them especially like you might as well just hold on to them especially if you like the quirky art of the old urza's uh version but if you can still get away with uh you know unloading them you you could save uh you know still a little bit of uh time you know without having to put or save a little bit of money without having to put that much time into uh buying and or selling and rebuying as for magic online uh, we don't even know if this will have any impact. Like, they will release the new Conspiracy cards, but last time, uh, Misdirection, Stifle, those cards were not part of the cards that were released on Magic Online when Conspiracy came out. So, I'm sure it will get reprinted on Magic Online eventually, but I don't know if Conspiracy 2 will have anything to do with it. Right. Uh, from at random Keho, sorry if you answered this already, what do you believe is a good price to buy from the Vault lore? Which released this past week? Yes, it did. Uh, MSRP, if you can. I mean, I think that's the best price. I'm looking at the eBay listings right now. It looks like the completed listings are around $60, $65. And if you're getting it at that price, you're paying slightly less than the retail price of the singles. So you're, if you want all those cards, you're doing fine. But at that price, I don't think you'd be able to resell the cards at a profit, at least in the, the short term. So uh, I would look to get it as cheap as possible, obviously. And if you want it, you're, I think you're fine buying it if you want it for your collection at the 60-ish dollar price range. But financially, I wouldn't really be interested at that price. I mean, yeah, it's basically not that much savings, even if you were just to go and buy the singles on their own. So, I mean, obviously as close to MSRP as you can, not even just for resale value, but like you said, Seth, if you just want it for your own collection. Yeah, I mean, the two cards are Dark Depths at $30 yeah, and GTA at 20 ish and then right. the rest, there's like a steep fall-off. So oh. it's mostly for collectors. If you wanted the singles, you'd probably just get the singles, unless you can yep. get it at MSRP. And last question from at Mog Moses. With the rarity upgrades in Modern Masters and CN2, do you think expensive rares like Damnation will be reprinted as mythics? Uh. Nope, getting baited. Uh. What's the rarity of Damnation? Oh, man. It is very obviously a rare. Like, uh, if you go back through the history of Magic, those effects have always been rare. Although, with its current price, I would not be surprised at all if it shows up in a Modern Masters if it was Mythic. Even though it yeah. should not be, but I would not be surprised to see that happen. Fair enough. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just, 
Day of Judgment, Wrath of... I mean, multiple printings of Wrath of God. I mean, the the card itself, like, it's basically just a color-shifted, you know, Wrath of God. I mean, that is a rare. I mean, it was printed as a rare. It really shouldn't be a mythic, but, I mean, I can understand it being printed as a mythic. You know what I want? I don't even want a Damnation reprint. I don't think it's that important. <laughs> what I want is just a Black Day of Judgment for budget players. Yeah. Give us a Black Day of Judgment. It's not literally Damnation, but it'll still be a cheap card that budget that you can use as a budget-friendly substitute. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I don't even think they should reprint Damnation now. <laughs> I think we're at the point where it's like, you just don't reprint it. They can't Ever. give you another Black Wrath, <laughs> you know, unconditional. Uh, I think the card will be mythic. I will be surprised yeah. if it shows up as rare. And I think the argument of it's color shifted is enough to make it mythic. True. And I, I think that's what they'll go for. And uh, it will be a chase card in whatever set is reprinted in. And it will be mythic. And if anything is different, I will be surprised. Yeah, I, I think, honestly... In a, in a master set, it would definitely be mythic. I still think it would even be mythic in a conspiracy set. Like, I I don't think you can have those cards like running around like that at rare. I'm gonna start writing my complaints now and just <laughs> save them somewhere for when they spoil it, so I can post it real quick. <laughs> wait, wait, okay, hold on. Another question that's not a fish fail, but do you think they'll use the original art, or do you think there will be new? They, I, they art? have to. They have to use original. I, it would be a complete failure if they use anything other than the original art. Is there is there art on Magic Online that isn't full art? That isn't the original no. art? Because no, that's what only the only the player rewards program I think is the only other art of the card. That's one thing I've noticed recently. If you look at Conspiracy, almost all the new art on those cards, Berserk, uh, Show and Tell, was on ma- in Magic Online already. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think there's another art of that. So probably original art then. If there was yeah. new art on Magic Online, I would guess that they would probably use that. But since there's not, I think they'll they would probably stick with the original. Yeah, and the full art, like they couldn't even use that. It's like really not conducive to a regular printed card. So yeah, they would have to use the original art. They might just make it really ugly, like Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> so no one wants to play it. <laughs> To drop the price even more. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think at this point it would even be... I think literally like a From the Vault Just Damnation would probably be successful. <laughs> I, I think we're really almost to the point where... Someone said this on Twitter, I don't remember who, but it has more value as a meme now than it does as an actual <laughs> yeah, reprint. A, yeah, I'm literally... That's why I was like, I don't even think they should reprint it. It's, it's just better off as like a meme and like where's Damnation at this point. Who plays Damnation? Is it Commander I, it, players? It's not, yeah, I mean, it is. Because it's very it's, rare it's, for, like, Jun plays a one-of sometimes, and yeah. that's the only modern playability I see. Didn't so we talk it, about that? Yeah. Just just print a five-mana <laughs> Damnation, then, and it's well, good enough. Well, we kind of so have, we... like, Crux of Fate and stuff. There is, like, ah. sort of five-mana Damnations. Life's Finale. That's oh, that's true. six yeah, mana. I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's just a meme at this point. I don't know. Well, didn't we talk about that, Seth? Like, this is not even like a modern reprint at this point. Yeah, I I said that on Twitter, and some people yeah. got back to me and said that other formats, which I think they meant Commander, is the reason that we need a reprint, not yeah, because we, of modern. I mean, 
Yeah, it's a really good but, card. And I guess maybe if you're playing competitively, but I know, like, I build a lot of a decks that have Wraths in them in Commander. That's kind of one of the things I do. And I've never been that disappointed to play a 5 or 6 mana Wrath over a 4 mana Wrath in Commander. It just seems like it doesn't... You don't have to be the most efficient version of a card in Commander when you're playing multiplayer and playing somewhat casually. So I still don't know how much it matters for Commander because of that. Yeah. I I figured it out. Eight mana damnation. (laughs) Destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated. This card costs one less for each player in the game. Ooh. I like like that. (laughs) Solved it. Uh, Yep, there you go. Although, I, I, I get that argument, but for me, even I think even in a multiplayer setting, if I'm playing black, I feel like I have to play Damnation. Like, it's just one of those cards, it's like, if you're playing this color, like, why not? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. I guess I'm just yeah. very used to building budget-friendly commander decks for Commander <laughs> Clash, so I, so I know my crux fair. of fates. Mm-hmm. $50, $60 Damnation? 60 cent life finale. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what's, what am I, I'm leaning to right and now. And plus I get to randomly fuel your living desk by putting cards in your graveyard for you. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. Wait, life finale doesn't exile? It just puts it in the graveyard? Yeah, you gotta put, you put three cards from your opponent's library in their graveyard for them. Wow. <laughs> oh. uh, I think this is a great place to leave off. Uh, I think we covered everything, right, gentlemen? So... Do either of you know, is this World's Week? Is World starting in, like, two days oh, yeah, on Thursday? I, I'm not sure. I have no I idea. All right, well, it might be <laughs> World's Week. <laughs> I'm looking right now. It is It is not. It is next. starting next Thursday. Okay. And it goes along yeah, with and- PAX, I believe, which means we'll probably start getting Kaladesh spoilers. Kaladesh. Yes, we probably will. So look it's forward to that. Exciting. Not this week, but next week. There'll be a lot of interesting uh, tournament stuff and even more new spoilers. We just bounce from one set to another these days. Yeah, we could get some Kaladesh. We could get some Commander stuff you yeah. know, from the from the new Commander product. So Conspiracy stuff. Conspiracy 3. Spoilers. Yeah, I, I really I, hope, I, I can only hope. I really wish. But, uh, yeah. And just so for everyone that knows, so this past weekend, this was like a really special, I think like eight or nine stores like in the whole country or the whole world was like choose, chosen for uh, conspiracy releases. So this weekend is the release. So next week, if you have release stories for us, uh, yeah, feel free to let us know. Oh, I forgot about that. That was awesome. I wanted to mention that yeah. when we were talking about it, but the fact that they didn't spoil the entire set before people got to start yeah. playing with it was really cool. So I really liked yeah. how they promoted it that way. That was really cool. I just, I, I didn't, honestly, I had no idea they were doing the release. It made Twitter and like social media kind of must follow Saturday morning because uh, people were doing these and random people were like posting pictures of their draft pod that had, that's how like show and tell got confirmed, I believe. Yeah. And Platinum Angel and a bunch of other rares and mythics. So it was a really just a fun way of doing that. So I would like to see that again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so I think that's all for this week, and this is going to be the crew signing out. We will see you all next time.